Good morning. The meeting will come to order. Welcome to the February 14 meeting of the Budget and Finance Committee. I'm Supervisor Connie Chan, Chair of the Committee. I'll be shortly joined by Vice Chair Raphael Mendelman, and here we are. We have Supervisor Mirna Malgar. Our clerk is Brent Halipa, and uh, I would like to thank SFGov TV for broadcasting this meeting. Mr. Clerk, do you have any announcement? Thank you, Madam Chair. Just a friendly reminder to those in attendance uh, to please make sure to sound all cell phones and electronic devices as so not to enter our proceedings. Should you have any documents to be included as part of the file that should be submitted to myself, the clerk, uh, public comment will be taken on each item on this agenda. When your item of interest comes up and public comment is called, please line up to speak on the west side of the chamber to your right, my left, along those curtains. Uh, while not necessary to provide a public comment, we do invite you to fill out a comment card and leave them on the tray uh, by the television chair left by the doors. Uh, if you wish to be accurately recorded for the minutes, uh, alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways. Email them to myself, the Budget and Finance Committee Clerk, at brent.jalipa at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the supervisors and also included as part of the official file. You may also send your written comments via U.S. Postal Service to our office in City Hall. That's 1 Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, Room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. And due to the President's Day holiday, items acted upon today are expected to appear on the Board of Supervisors agenda of February 27th, unless otherwise stated. Madam Chair. Thank you, Mr. Clerk, and uh, we'd just like to remind everyone, we, uh, for those items that have budget and legislative an uh, analyst report, we'll go to the department presentation, BLA report, then we'll follow by questions, then we go to public comments, and with that, Mr. Clerk, please call item number one. Item number one is an ordinance deappropriating $3.5 million from general city responsibility and reappropriating $500,000 to the Municipal Transportation Agency to support free two-hour parking in the Portsmouth Square garages, ambassador services, and transit fares for the Lunar New Year Parade in February 2024, and $3 million to the Office of Economic and Workforce Development to support a relief fund for SOMA area business and organizations from direct APEC impacts uh, and for a small business transit impact relief fund in the fiscal year 2023 to 2024. Madam Chair. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. And uh, this is an item that actually continued from last week due to the increase of the dollar amount from previous uh, $2.25 million to $3.5 million, uh, $3 million. And today I just want to welcome uh, Supervisor Dorsey, Matt Dorsey, and Supervisor Joe and Guardian into the chambers. Um, and Supervisor Dorsey, please, the Great. floor is yours. Thank you so much, uh, Chair Chan. Um, I just want to again thank you and everyone on your team for all of your work over on this over the last few months. <clears throat> With this being the uh, the second meeting where this item is discussed, I don't think I have much to add that hasn't already been said, but of course that has never stopped me before from repeating myself ad nauseum, so I will, uh, if you'll just indulge me, I'm, I'm, I'm actually kidding. There is one thing that I did want to, uh, one positive aspect that um, hasn't been mentioned previously that I did feel that I wanted to express, and that was um, the uh, pre and post APEC outreach um, really strengthened the relationship between the Office of uh, Economic and Wor Workforce Development and the Office of Small Business. I know I gave them a sort of general thank you in the last meeting, but I do, I have heard from a lot of uh, businesses and residents how much they appreciate 
that the city has these offices and how helpful they have been. So this has been an exercise that is really worthwhile and that I think will pay dividends in, uh, for years to come. So I did want to say thank you to Sarah Dennis Phillips and Katie Tang, respectively, from OEWD and the Office of Small Business. And then, of course, my thanks to everybody on this uh, committee. And with that, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thank you. And Supervisor Ingardio. Thank you. Um, so we heard last week a number of Terravel merchants came to public comment and, and and described the years of disruption they've faced, at the, and they're at the mercy of SFMTA to finish this Muni track replacement uh, as promised by the end of this year. Um, and some of these business, businesses reported a, a loss of up to 70% of their sales. So it would be a travesty if we got brand new train tracks and there were no businesses along the corridor uh, for people to visit. So that's why I worked with the budget chair, so grateful for that, and with our um, director of the Office of Small Business to request that $1 million of the leftover APEC fund go toward helping um, the businesses suffering on Terravel. Um, you know, as I said last week, uh, and it's worth repeating every week and every day, we are one city. Um, so we can help businesses who suffered last fall and those who continue to suffer today. Um, we must come together, uh, help a major part of our city, which is Terravel, and spending a portion of the APEC funds to help Terravel. It's about saving businesses, about saving our tax base, and that benefits the city as a whole. Thank you, and uh, just uh, appreciate both uh, for your leadership here, as well as uh, Supervisor Malgar, who also represents part of the Terraval Streets uh, merchants. Um, and together, I think this body has um, really worked together to support the merchants, but I know that the work just begun um, to make sure that these um, support and relief uh, are distributed timely and uh, also equitably. And so a lot of work ahead of us, and I also look forward to um, having an ongoing budget conversation uh, with city departments. How do we create a fund now that we have these type of funds going and, and these type of relief program was set model uh, for many um, other relief to come. So thank you, and with that, let's go to public comments on this item. Yes, we now invite members of the public who have joined us today who wish to speak on this item number one. Uh, now is your opportunity to line up to, to speak uh, right along those windows to your right. And if you approach the lectern, you'll be given two minutes to speak. Thank you for having us today. I'm Scott Rhodes. I'm the Executive Director for the Yerba Buena Community Benefit District. And really, just the public comment, thank you to the supervisors and your leadership through this process and um, advocacy for community and all the support that went through that. Also, I want to echo Supervisor Dorsey's comments about Office of Economic Workforce Development and the Office of Small Business. That relationship that expanded through this process has been um, game-changing for our community and so kudos to Sarah and her team and Katie and her team we're really proud of where this can go and how we can really continue to develop relationships for our community and make our small businesses and cultural organizations so strong so thank you all appreciate your support thank you much for our comments next speaker please happy Valentine's Day supervisors uh, first off my name is Desi from uh, Cultivate Labs doing work in uh, SOMA. Uh, we really appreciate the love that you're showing to the small businesses and cultural organizations in South the Market. APEC uh, was a uh, trying time for a lot of these organizations. And the one thing I would just like to say is that 
whoever is chosen to administer these funds uh, should try to charge the least amount of an administration fee. Sometimes uh, when regranting is done, 10 to 20% is set aside for administration in a pot of money like this. Uh, that could equal support for at least 20 different businesses and organizations, so thank you. Thank you much, Desi, for your comments. And last call for public comment. Madam Chair, we have completed our queue. Thank you. Seeing no more public comments, public comment is now closed. And colleagues, I would like to move this item to full board with recommendation and a roll call, please. And on that motion to forward this ordinance to the full board with a positive recommendation, Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Member Melgar. Melgar, aye. Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. We have three ayes. Thank you, and the motion passes. Thank you. Thank you. And um, Mr. Clark, could you please call items two and three together? Yes, item numbers two and three. Item number two is a resolution authorizing the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community, uh, community Development to expend SOMA Community Stabilization Fund dollars in the amount of 200000 to address various impacts of destabilization on residents and businesses in SOMA for a term to commence effective upon approval of this resolution through June 30th, 2026. And item number three is a resolution approving and authorizing the execution of a First Amendment to the amended and restated loan agreement with Octavia RSU Associates LP to increase the loan amount by approximately uh, 8.5 million for a new total loan amount not to exceed approximately 35.3 million to finance additional costs related to a 100% affordable 63 unit multifamily rental housing development of, uh, affordable to low-income households, including 32 units for transitional age youth who are homeless or at risk of homelessness, and including up to 3,200 square feet of commercial space located at 78 Haight Street, and for the mayor and the director of um, MoCD to execute documents, make certain modifications, and take certain actions in furtherance of this resolution. Madam Chair. Thank you, Mr. Clerk and colleagues. Uh, both items actually from the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development. Item three does uh, have the BLA report. Uh, so I'm gonna turn the floor over to, be, uh, to the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development and go ahead and start with your presentation. Thank you, good morning, supervisors. I'm Grace Lee, Cultural Districts and SOMA Fund Manager with the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development. I'm here to present the expend resolution found in your board packet, authorizing our department to give a grant of $200,000 from the 5M Community Benefits Agreement to the San Francisco Study Center, fiscal sponsor of Bill Soro Housing Program, also known as Bishop. With this grant, Bishop will implement anti-displacement programs in SOMA, including a Filipino language tenants' rights counseling program, increase coordination with other community partners to protect tenants in existing housing units, and preserve existing housing by exploring residential acquisition and rehabilitation options. These housing preservation strategies align with priorities identified by the board-approved SOMA Pilipinas Cultural District Strategic Plan. MoCD received $800,000 from the 5N Community Benefits, uh, Benefits Agreement specifically intended to support the work of the Soma Pilipinas Cultural District. Our department issued an initial RFP for $600,000 of the funds last year, and the expenditures were approved by this board in July of 2023. Uh, we then issued a competitive RFP for the remaining $200,000 uh, in August of 2023. 
we've received one proposal from Bishop that we determined to be responsive to that RFP, and we're here to ask for the board's approval to expend the remaining funds from the 5N Community Benefits Agreement to this project. And I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Supervisor Malkar. Thank you so much, Chair Chant. So uh, I am interested in 78-HATE. Um, this is, you're redoing the loan agreement. Um, there's a history uh, behind this. Apologies, Sheila Nicolopoulos, Director of Policy. Um, these are two separate items, so. Right, but they call them together. Yes, um, do we want us to, we can do the presentation for 78-HATE, that will be following okay, this. Okay, I'm sorry. No, that's okay, I just wanted I to. Just, I was confused about what I you're know, doing. I know, apologies so, okay. about that. Go so ahead. we will move on, after this, we can move on to the 78-HATE presentation. Chair, are we taking public comments separately? We, we're gonna take public comments together for both yeah, items. that's what I thought, okay. Thank you. Um, I, Thank you. I, I know that we've been dispensing this uh, stabilization fund for quite some time. I think the last time uh, we we appreciate that. Uh, I, we don't have any questions on that. So let's go to the 78 um, hate uh, presentation, and then it has a BLA report, and then we can we can go into the details of question. Uh, good morning, Chair Chan and Supervisors Melgar and Mandelman. My name is Ann Romero, and I'm a senior project manager at the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development. So I'm here to present on item three, which is related to the proposed increased permanent loan for 78 Haight Street. Um, so the purpose of this resolution is to request approval of a first amendment to the amended and restated loan agreement to increase the city's financing by up to 8.5 million for a total loan not to exceed $35,306,233. 78 Haight Street is a 63-unit affordable housing development to be constructed on a small infill city-owned site on Haight and Octavia Streets, and it is one of the last central freeway parcels to be developed as affordable housing. This parcel has been long envisioned um, to be supportive housing for Tay. It will include 32 units for transitional age youth, ages 18 to 24, who are experiencing homelessness, and support services will be provided by Larkin Street Youth Services. The remaining 31 units will be studios for adult households. The project was intended to include a separate childcare fronting Octavia Street, which unfortunately is no longer feasible and will be repurposed for a few additional units in a smaller commercial space. Uh, so the project history is that uh, TNDC was selected to be the developer under a 2017 request for proposals. The project then received a 9% tax credit allocation under the special needs set aside in 2021. The project closed on construction financing in April 2022, including a long-term city ground lease and a $26.7 million gap loan. Soon thereafter, the project was halted due to unforeseen conditions at the adjacent property, Mount Trinity Baptist Church, which is at risk of collapse if construction proceeds. In 2023, after outreach and multiple meetings, TNDC and Mount Trinity were able to reach a neighbor agreement to work together on a plan to stabilize the property. In January 2024, the Citywide Affordable Housing Loan Committee approved the request for the increased loan to support the restart of the housing project. So this slide shows uh, the increase in project cost, uh, which is substantial due to the cost to stabilize the neighboring property, 
construction cost escalation over the last two years, remobilization costs, current high interest rates for the construction loan, and an increase in associated soft cost. In addition, projected operating costs have gone up over the last two years, which leads to the need for a higher capitalized operating reserve for the project to cash flow. The 10.5 million additional cost is proposed to be funded by both CD's increased loan of up to 8.5 million and TNDC is investing their at-risk developer fee as GP equity. TNDC is applying for other funding and subsidies to reduce the city's gap loan. Uh, this project is urgent that it restart in March so that it can meet the tax credit deadline where, where uh, it needs to be completed by the end of 2025. Okay, so this slide depicts the permanent financing. Uh, so it includes the loan amendment increase of 8.5 million. So with approval from the Board of Supervisors for this increased loan, the project would remobilize construction in March and be complete in September 2025. MoCD fully supports this request and I'm happy to answer any questions. We also have representatives here from TNDC and from Mount Trinity Baptist Church. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, Supervisors. Nick Menard from the Budget Legislative Analyst Office. Item three is a resolution that approves uh, a change to the loan agreement between the Mayor's Office of Housing and Octavia RSU Associates LP, which is TNDC. Uh, the loan is increasing by $8.5 million, uh, which is funded by a combination of housing trust fund monies and general obligation bond proceeds. Uh, we detailed the uses of the loan on page eight of our report where you can see the total project costs have increased by $10.5 million uh, due to uh, construction on the neighboring church to make it size, to make it resilient and uh, bring it up to building code standards to redesign the project in light of the child care center that's no longer feasible um, and other escalations in costs due to the delay in getting the construction started. Uh, the total $10.5 million uh, is funded by a combination of this loan that is before you today as well as um, a $1.1 million um, developer equity that is being taken out of the fee uh, to TNDC for this project. I do think that that's an appropriate sharing of risk given some of the delays in, the, in, the, in getting this construction started and the associated cost increases for this project are, are the developer's responsibility. So I do think that that makes sense. Uh, and as was noted, this loan requires TNDC to apply for other funding uh, to help offset the, this increase in, in city funding for this project. Uh, if they, th the loan specifies certain federal sources that they need to apply for, including continuum of care funding, which cannot be used to offset the, to, to restore the developer fee, but they also have to apply for project-based vouchers and veterans vouchers, which could potentially be used to restore all or a portion of the developer fee. Developer fee. That's up to the department to decide. Um, but again, we do recommend approval of item three. Thank you, Supervisor Malkar. Thank you, Chair Chan, and uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Menard. So um, this uh, project and the population it serves is very much needed. Uh, it is it is a very underserved population 
Um, but really very little about this uh, loan amendment makes me feel good. Um, you know, the fact that it is so expensive, that we're putting in more money uh, for, you know, damages to um, the next door structure. Uh, but what particularly bothers me the most is that we are now saying that the childcare, which was such an integral part of, um, you know, this project is no longer feasible. So I'd like to understand why it's not feasible. Um, when we have millions of dollars that were rolled over uh, from baby prop C um, for this use um, and in uh, that I know that for transitional age youth parents the rates of child abuse and neglect are higher than anyone else's and so child care and services for this population is like really really important for their success so I want to know uh, what options were explored why it's no longer feasible and who made that decision um, thank you. That's a good question. Sheila Nicolopoulos, Director of Policy at MOHCD. So it's um, child care spaces by state licensing require, are required to have a certain amount of outdoor space available. Generally, it's on site. A few years ago, the city was able to negotiate with the state so that licensing would grant us the ability to provide that outdoor space off site. But it has to be within a certain walking distance of the primary child care facility and that outdoor space has to meet certain safety and visibility requirements. So with this particular site location, we had originally thought that we were gonna be able to make that state licensing requirement and they would be able to walk the kids to a nearby park for outdoor space. Which park? Um, I don't- do Patricia it. Green, right? Hmm? Patricia Green? Do you know which? The Koshland? The Koshland Park. Mm -hmm. So not the Patricia's Green, but it's up the hill a few blocks. Right. Um, and then on further discussions with the state licensing, it was clear that it was too far to meet those requirements. What about the mini park that's between that and the Koshland? The Does Pat that not, not the meet the uh, The Patricia's Green right there no, in the middle of the No, there's a mini park in between, on Laguna, between the... And so there's, that's one question. The second yeah. one is what about the roof? Um, they would have to design separate egress for kids if they were to use um, any kind of space, which would then reduce the overall amount of space we would have in the building because you'd have to have two stairwells. Like you'd have to have a separate stairwell specifically for kids to use. And, and was so it that, becomes and a design was that limitation. Or, or just like it, redesigning it was too expensive? Um, but it also like writes off different color money, uh, money for specifically for childcare, right? Um, so my understanding is that um, we were going to work with Wuyi Childcare Services uh, for the for the childcare center. They were going to provide the childcare services there. Um, I can assure you, we looked at all the different parks in the neighborhood to see if any of them would be able to meet the requirements of. Uh, the state licensing requirements. The issue was, um, I think there were two issues, and I'm speaking off the top of my head. Um, one issue was they did not want to cross a major street with kids, because this was supposed to be for younger kids, the child care center. Um, so the park which, uh, which was within distance was actually like uh, across like a heavy traffic street, so that was one issue. And then the other issue was that the park which was close by, I think the park that you mentioned, um, does not have the place structures that the state licensing requirements require um, in order for that park to meet the, meet the 
licensing requirements. So uh, I think because of that, neither of the parks which were within the radius that we needed uh, would qualify um, to meet the state licensing requirements. Okay, and well, so that makes me, that explanation makes me feel even worse because if one provider didn't want to be crossing the street, you know, I'm wondering if a different provider uh, who specializes in this population would be willing to do that in order to, you know, serve them. And the second is, you know, what about the roof? I will ask again. Because I just think that, you know, if it were any, any other affordable housing, I would say, okay, that's, you know, like we, it makes it more expensive or whatever, but this particular population, you know, needs this service, like more than anyone else. And we have millions of dollars of baby prop C that has been ro rolled over and spent. And so, like, I don't even see anyone here from the Department of Early Childhood. Were they consulted? Was, was it, did you work with them? What, how, what happened there? Hi there, Sari. I'm Ron, Director of Housing Development for MoCD. So the street issue is a licensing requirement. Regardless, it's about how fast traffic flow is, so no uh, licensed provider would be able to cross that street. And so Patricia to, Green is just too far. It's too far. Okay. And then the other one didn't have the actual structure. So like those are all licensing requirements that we cannot get around. In regards to your consideration about the roof, the project is designed to have one stairwell. To change and put two stairwells would be a significant redesign. Of course, it would cost more money. The alternative, what we could do is look also at FCC, a family child care center, on site, like one unit that would have licensing up to eight children that could also help provide support for this. We can certainly look at that. We haven't been able to because there's no actual outdoor space. And to your point, we can't use the roof because of the egress requirements. So it's very much limited, but we can look at that. We have been in discussion with LIF, and LIF is also agrees that this wasn't a perfect site. We were trying to fit a square in a circle and make it work for the population, but it's very, very difficult based on our licensing requirements. Yes, and it seems like we should have known that before we started designing the building, if this is the population that you know, we were going to serve. So I, again, it's just like nothing about this makes me feel good or have confidence that, you know, that this is going <laughs> to be a successful project given, you know, the cost overruns, the damages, the fact that we designed something and promised something in the community that turns out is not even feasible, uh, and we should have known that from the get-go. But Okay, thank you for the explanation. Thank you. Uh, question, what is the state requirement for walking distance for childcare facility? I don't know uh, off the top of my head. That's a problem. We can, we can definitely find <laughs> it. Um, well, we can find it too. I mean, I just think you guys are coming You here. should be, do, you should know though, right? Well, hear, hear me out. The reason why I said that is because like, um, Patricia Green is, it's 0 0.2 miles away. It's really a five minutes walk. Um, I, I understand that, you know, there's the crossing of the issue. Patricia Green, I think, meets the requirement. And let me tell you why. Um, because they will, uh, in, in Chinatown, where there's Wu Yi Child Care Services, it's using Wu Hei Yun um, as a child care, to meet the child care facility requirement as well. So. Though, and those are the questions that I have, like trying to understand and, um, you know, to understand the requirement. The walking distance is actually fairly uh, similar. Um, and in fact, I have worked on that specifically, making sure that when there was a uh, vendor moving into Wu Heiyun, 
um, was actually going to cause Wuyi Children's Services in Chinatown losing their license as well because of the state requirements. So I do understand that it's like a very critical element to it, but I, I think that it seems like let's, let's um, we'll love to hear back about like why isn't Patricia Green an option specifically, um, both in distance yeah. and other requirements related. I think Patricia's Green doesn't meet the safety requirements because it's open to the street. And so mm -hmm. they wanna, the state wants to see for this particular young age, it needs to be a fenced in space. I believe all childcare, like all child playground actually are fenced in, in, in the in city of San Francisco. But Patricia's Green has that open Sure, but space. the child playground itself is fenced in. Right? And I believe that the, but the playground there has that large climbing structure. And uh -huh. I believe that climbing structure is not age appropriate for the very young kids. Um, we, I can certainly follow up with um, EC, with LIF and the Office of Early Care and Education, and we can outline some of the, the specific state requirements around this. Sounds good. Thank you. I don't see any other questions on the roster or any name on the roster, so let's go to public comments on these items. Yes, uh, members of the public who have joined us today who wish to speak on either items two or three, now is your opportunity to address this committee. Um, if you step up to the lectern, I'll start your time. Uh, good morning, committee members. My name is Chris Cummings. I'm the Director of Housing Development for the Tenderloin Neighborhood Development Corporation. I'm here to speak in support of MoCD's request for additional funding uh, to help that 78 hate project that was just presented um, and to fund permanent repairs to the uh, neighboring Mount Trinity Baptist Church, uh, which is a really commu uh, important community asset to the neighborhood. Um, the project was delayed, uh, as Ann Romero pointed out, um, given some structural conditions at the neighboring Mount Trinity Baptist Church, and we worked uh, tirelessly and uh, it took a very long time to collaborate with uh, the, the, the church members to come up with a optimal solution that worked uh, for the city, for TNDC, and for the Mount Trinity Baptist congregation. Um, this funding will obviously help support the, uh, the circumstances of this delay caused by the structural challenge um, and will also, of course, uh, fund permanent repairs at the church. Um, TNDC does understand that the city has very limited funding for projects like this, and we are working very hard to identify other non-public resources to help capitalize this project. As an example, we're currently talking to the Weinberg Foundation about bringing uh, potentially upwards of $2 million to this project to help offset uh, the capital costs at 78 hate and again, those permanent structural repairs to the Mount Trinity Baptist Church. Um, we really are committed to delivering this project. Uh, we will look uh, back at the childcare requirements and, and the requirements around potentially uh, operating a family childcare center, which TNDC does do at other properties in our portfolio. Um, and we really urge you to support uh, this funding request for both 78-8 and the Mount Trinity Baptist Church. Thank you. Thanks so much, Chris Cummings. If we have any uh, other members of the public who wish to address this committee. Madam Chair, that completes our queue. Thank you, and seeing, seeing no more public comments, public comment is now closed. Um, before I call on you, Supervisor Malgar, I just, I think from the public comments actually reminded me that I do have a questions about the um, church. Um, I am interested to understand that, you know, when we're providing and supporting the church for a necessary repairs and share cost, um, which I, I, how long is that going to take for us to complete the repair? Um, we expect that the construction repairs on the church will be completed by June of this year, so about six months, Great. start to finish. Wonderful, and so is there a possibility, just given the fact that, you know, there is the, um, AB 20, 
11 and some other legislation coming from the state that really allows the city and really uh, really allowing the cities and churches to really work together to identify sites that could be feasible for housing pro you know housing development um, could there be a conversation or can there be a conversation to to really understand the conditions of the sites and whether that could be a possibility for the church as well um, because we're spending the money money to repair and, and investing just kind of curious hey good morning um, so certainly we can we've actually thought about that initially it would we thought about potentially using asking if there could have been a merge with the yeah. two properties at this point in time in order for us to meet our tax credit application mm -hmm. we're not able to merge the church with our property at all um, but in the future, should the church want to um, engage with MoCD in the city and potentially using their site to build affordable housing, we would happily have that conversation with them. That's wonderful. I, I think that like it's good that we're supporting the church so that they can return and gather and to make sure that they can continue uh, going on as a church. But love to see the possibility, exploring that possibility. Thank you. Uh, Supervisor Malkar. Thank you, Chair. Just one last question, and that is, you know, uh, Folks have talked about the possibility of having a, a family child care provider on site. I'm wondering if there are any units in the design that would accommodate that. We can, I can answer that. So one of the things that we are trying to do is with the redesign of the commercial space in the ground floor, we're trying to add some residential units in the, on the ground floor um, and make the commercial space smaller. Um, so we can definitely explore trying to have like a family child care center on the ground floor try to reconfigure uh, some of the uh, enclosed space into a partially open space and see if that would meet the requirements. So that is something in the, on the design side that we can certainly explore. You can explore it, but it's not, you know, a requirement of the loan. N not currently, but. We can request that as, as a condition of the loan. Okay, thank you. So, colleagues, I am in support of moving these two items forward, um, but I see the nodding from Supervisor Malgard and Vice Chair Mendelman. Um, I think that we do have some questions. Love to get the answers uh, of those uh, questions. Um, we will not, once this voting out today, uh, it will not be coming back to full board uh, for the vote until Tuesday, February 27. Um, so we'll love to have those answered before um, the first votes at full board. It give us some time. Um, with that, I would like to move these two items uh, out to full board with recommendation and a roll call, please. And on that motion, afford both resolutions to the full board with a positive recommendation. Vice Chair Mandelman. Mandelman, aye. Member Melgar. Melgar, aye. Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. We have three ayes. Thank you, and the motion passes. And with that, Mr. Clerk, please call item number four. Item number four is a resolution approving and authorizing the execution, delivery, and performance of an amended and restated lease for Building 49 located at 701 Illinois Street within Crane Cove, uh, Crane Cove Park between the Port and the Young Men's Christian Association uh, of San Francisco that would, among other things, reduce the seismic improvements. Uh, described in the existing lease, eliminate all rent credits for any seismic work performed by the YMCA, 
required the YMCA to open the public restrooms no later than July 1st, 2024, delay the rent commencement date to no later than October 1st, 2024, has defined in the uh, amended and restated lease, affirming prior findings under CEQA and authorizing the executive director of the port to enter into any additions, amendments, or other modifications to the amended and restated lease that do not materially increase the obligations or liabilities to the city or port and are necessary or advisable to complete the transactions which this resolution contemplates and effectuate the purpose and intent of this resolution. Madam Chair. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. And today we have James Hurley, uh, Port Development Project Manager from the San Francisco Port. Thank you, Chair Chan, <clears throat> and good morning, Supervisors Metalman and Melgar as well. Um, yes, Jamie Hurley from the Real Estate and Development Division with the port, I'm here with Boris Delapine, the port's legislative affairs manager, um, and just have a couple brief slides to run through on this item. So um, just to give you the background, as you may recall, um, this was a lease that was uh, brought before this body and then ultimately the full board uh, last uh, June, I believe, and ultimately executed with a commencement date of August 1st of 2023. <clears throat> the master tenant under the lease is the YMCA of San Francisco, and they have two subtenants, um, both local uh, uh, local organizations, one Dog Patch Paddle, which is a aquatic center, um, the other Daily Driver, a small food and beverage purveyor. Um, and the reason we're here today is we're seeking your recommendation for approval of an amendment to the lease. The reason we need to amend the the lease has to do with the need to uh, make a change to the seismic retrofit strategy for the building. Um, and this change in the seismic scope is, is really required to bring the project back into financial feasibility um, and ensure successful project delivery. Um, we have worked very closely with the YMCA's um, design team, their structural engineering uh, team, and, and port engineering to ensure that um, the new seismic scope will um, meet the code requirements, uh, building code requirements, and will provide, uh, will still provide for a building um, that is in, has, with enhanced seismic resiliency as compared to the existing condition. Uh, next slide. Thank you. So um, with that, there are just a very few uh, changes. Uh, amendments to the lease. Um, one is that um, with this change to the seismic scope, we'll be eliminating the need for the port to provide up to $500,000 in rent credits uh, to, to share the cost for that seismic work. Um, and then due to the delay associated with this, the need to rethink the seismic scope and redesign the project, uh, to accommodate that change, um, we are pushing back the rent commencement date from July 1 of this year to October 1st of this year. So three months uh, more to complete the project and get the building open before rent begins. Um, and then the last thing um, that I wanted to highlight is that um, there are public restrooms in this building that are uh, very important. Um, everyone's eager for those to be open uh, and available to park visitors. Um, right now there are porta parties out there in Crane Cove Park. Um, 
So this, this will, uh, amendment will actually accelerate the requirement for the YMCA uh, to open and operate those, uh, those public restrooms uh, no later than July 1st of this year. So we want to make sure that they're open and available to the public um, in the height of the summer months. Um, so we're here today um, at Budget and Finance Committee. Um, with your recommendation, we anticipate being at the full board on February 27th. Um, and as I mentioned, the restrooms would be open on July 1st. We expect the full building to be open in early fall. Um, so it's about a six, six to eight months construction period. Port is uh, poised to issue a building permit to the YMCA so that they can begin construction um, pretty much immediately upon um, approval by the full board of this new lease or this lease amendment. Um, so um, that concludes my presentation. Happy to answer any questions after the BLA report. Thank you. Thank you. Item four is a resolution that approves an amended and restated lease between the port and YMCA related to building 49 in Crane Cove Park in Pier 70. Uh, this is actually a change to a very recently approved lease that the board approved in June 2023. And the changes, which were just described by the department, include pushing back the rent commencement date to, from July to October of this year, um, requiring the YMCA to open restrooms to the public um, on July of this year as well, and then reducing their um, obligation to complete seismic improvements. In the original lease approved by the board, the seismic improvements um, met certain standards with, uh, recommended by the American Civil Society of Engineers and included steel reinforcements of the building's walls and roof. Um, that work will no longer be done, so it's a loss to the city of approximately $1.4 million. Um, and instead, the YMCA is going to reinforce the wall of the building with plywood and, and bolts, which the port staff told us meet the port's building standards. Uh, this does result in an additional half a million dollars in rent to the port over the, over the initial 10-year term of the lease. Um, but again, that is less than the value of the work, of the seismic work that was part of the original lease. And I think for me, just given how recently this lease was approved by the board, it raises very concerning questions about the port's process to actually vet YMCA's proposal over the summer and their ability to carry out this work that they promised to do on this site. And, and now this building will not have the benefit of that seismic improvement work. I'm not sure, we're recommending approval because I'm not sure, I don't, there was, this was one of two proposals. I don't, putting it back out to bid didn't seem like a feasible option. And they are continuing to commit to do other tenant improvement work that was part of the original lease, including bringing the building up to the port's building standards. Uh, but we will be reviewing the port's assessment of their tenants uh, with a closer eye in the future. Thank you. I, I mean, I think um, the reality is the port is uh, diversifying your portfolio of tenants. You're diversifying, sounds to me, you're diversifying the portfolio of uh, uh, your tenants' portfolio. You do actually also have very diverse like cruise terminals, very building, you have like Fisherman's Wharf, you have also uh, a very, um, now Crane Cove Park, which is 
uh, actually a new addition to your portfolio. Uh, I am interested to see uh, a, a more comprehensive um, approach or, or just want to learn what is your comprehensive approach to such a diverse uh, tenants portfolio, both in lease agreements as well as capital improvements. Uh, there are clearly very um, vastly different kinds of capital improvements. Um, mm -hmm. and, and while you, you are also have the concerns of seawall and it's very complicated, and I just like to learn more. Uh, I think that this is a one good snapshot uh, of sort of here's a here's a brand new property you have adopted, and and in not brand new, but you know what I'm trying to say. It's it has not been traditionally part of what Port has been doing, and it's it's new in terms of newly renovated. It's new agreement with many different players coming into the space. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see um, if this is the approach to port properties moving forward, then is there a way that you know how you can be consistent with that? I don't have any questions uh, at the moment, any more questions, but I see that Supervisor Melgard is on the roster. Thank you, uh, Chair Chan. Uh, and uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Menard um, and uh, port staff, thank you. Um, so I... Um, Sort of read uh, the BLA report and also had uh, concerns about that. Um, and I will say that, on the other hand, um, I'm thrilled that the YMCA ha has gotten the lease for this building. Um, I have a personal connection to this building, and that is that uh, my dear, dear friend, uh, uh, Paul Nixon, who uh, was one of the founders of the Jamestown Community Center, which I worked at for many years, used to uh, take low-income, at-risk youth uh, to this building to teach them how to kayak, <clears throat> which is, you know, not something that a lot of um, poor kids in the city um, get to do. In fact, there is such a huge inequity about who uses our bay <laughs> and who gets to uh, learn how to sail, how to kayak, how to do all these water sports and you know uh, Paul was a, a teacher a long-term teacher in uh, Mac at McAteer High School um, and uh, you know devoted his entire life to uh, poor kids um, and so I um, am so glad that the YMCA uh, is taking this over because that is their mission um, I would love at some point to see if we can name something there after Paul um, because you know, he definitely, that was his spot, and uh, generations of, uh, you know, black and brown kids from the Mission Bayview learn how to kayak and do water sports because of him and this building. So I will support this. Um, you know, I will work with uh, Supervisor Walton um, and, and the YMCA to see if we can do something uh, about that. But I think, it, you know, the history of, of that place, I think, offsets a little bit the concerns, for me at least, um, about the YMCA um, being the the, um, you know, lessor. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor. And, and yes, and Paul Nixon, I know he was a very dear friend of the port and, um, and beloved. Uh, so it's something that we could certainly look at. And, and again, in addition to the YMCA, there is this um, aquatics component that does sort of carry forward his legacy um, in terms of making available lessons and bringing in camps, students, um, and that's through Dog Patch Paddle, one of the subtenants. I will just add that he was a constituent of Supervisor Mandelman's, and his widow, uh, Pat, still lives in your district, Supervisor. 
Thank you. Uh, just um, before we go to public comments, I believe we have clerical edit um, to the legislation and that the clerical edit is to, with the changes in um, page one lines 10 to 13 and is to add language with no change to the initial terms of 10 years retroactive to August 1st, um, 2023 plus options to extend for a total term of up to 34 years, 11 months with the initial annual base rent of $92,809.80. Is that correct? I see nodding. No one's saying anything out loud, but nodding is good. I'm saying it correct. Correct. <laughs> for all of yes. us. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. Uh, with that, let's go to public comments on this item. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, we now invite members of the public who have joined us today who wish to speak on this item number four. And now is our opportunity to address this committee. Good morning. I apologize for not knowing exactly what the issue is. I just came in. Uh, but uh, if there is no declaration of conflict of interest, I do believe it's not valid. It's no circumlocution. You see, it's like you need to declare your conflict of interest for everything now. Otherwise, you know. I said that before. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Seeing no other speakers, Madam Chair, we've completed our queue. Thank you. And seeing no more public comments, public comment is now closed. And colleagues, I'd like to move this item to, uh, to first uh, make the amendment um, that we uh, that I have read out loud before public comments and then move the amended item with the clerical edit to the full board with recommendation. And can we do that in one motion, please, and a roll call? Yes, and on that motion, uh, to amend this resolution to accept the clerical edits and to forward that resolution to the full board with a positive recommendation as amended. Uh, Vice Chair Mandelman. Mandelman, aye. Member Malgar. Malgar, aye. Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. We have three ayes. Thank you, the motion passes. And Mr. Clerk, please call item number five. Item number five is a resolution authorizing the tax collector to sell at public auction certain parcels of tax defaulted real property as defined within. Madam Chair. Thank you and thank you. We have Amanda here from Chief of Policy and Communications um, of Office in the Treasurer and Tax Collector's Office. Thank you. Good morning, Chair Chan and Supervisors. Amanda Freed with the Office of the Treasurer and Tax Collector. Item five is a resolution authorizing the tax collector to sell tax defaulted properties at a public auction. As background, the auction is governed by state law. Property becomes eligible for auction when an owner fails to pay taxes for five years, and we are required to offer properties for auction that have remained delinquent for nine years. The 159 parcels listed for auction today are a tiny percentage of the 210,000 total parcels in the city and county of San Francisco. More than 99% of owners pay their property tax bills on time and in full. Of the 159 parcels, there are seven with structures or on lots that could accommodate a structure, 18 timeshares, and the remainder are unbuildable parcels such as very small sliver lots and underwater lots. We've closely scrutinized each parcel before you today and provided you with a memo outlining our process and detailing specific information about parcels of interest in your districts. 
We researched the physical characteristics and ownership history for each parcel, sent regular mailings to the property and any other related addresses on record for the entirety of the time the taxes were delinquent. For parcels with no known contact information, we take additional steps that exceed state requirements, including mailing notifications to all contiguous parcels to make them aware of the upcoming auction. We've also taken additional steps to bring all available resources to bear for any occupied property where there could be an individual at risk of losing their home. Sheriff's deputies have already visited each occupied property to provide in-person notification. We've also worked closely with Adult Protective Services, the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development, Homeownership SF, and HERA to provide social services, financial counseling, and legal assistance. Once approved by the Board of Supervisors, the list of parcels subject to auction will be published in the newspaper of record and will be available on our website. And the auction will take place online beginning April 22nd. And I'm happy to take any questions. Thank you. I, I just really want to first thank, thank you and your office for working with like some of our constituents over the last few years. As, when, as soon as they land on this list, I think there's one um, seniors that was in, located in Seacliff um, area that was actually, you know, uh, having a difficult time. And we really, um, and, and was alone and your, your, your team and along with our office, like I'm just so grateful for all the work that you guys did. And I really do know that you went out again and again, especially with those um, properties that was occupied. And I'm also really grateful. Um, last year, we removed, um, have requested a, a to take um, the San Francisco Korean Good News Church off the list and, you know, in this location, and you've been working with them uh, for the entire year as well. And again, I'm just, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for all the effort. Really appreciate it. Uh, colleagues, um, Supervisor Ronan has um, uh, make a request to amend the removal of 3548 to um, 3550-20th Street, uh, which belong um, to Murphy Ralph uh, from the list for one more year. This is the same property they have requested removal from last year. Um, I do believe that there is a concrete effort um, to trying to um, pay the, the remaining or to, to try to actually uh, to uh, pay the bill, so to speak. Um, and I, I, I would like to really support that effort. I think there's a consistent concrete effort to try to do that. Um, so I will be supporting the, um, the removal of that property from today's list. Uh, Supervisor Malgar. Thank you, Chair Chan. Just a, a question. Thank you so much. Every ditto to everything uh, Chair Chan said. Thank you so much for all your work. So my question is about the process. I know a lot of it is dictated by state law, but is there um, an effort uh, to work with nonprofit uh, housing developers to uh, alert them to this or advantage them in any way in purchasing some of these sites? Yes. Um, there, there has been a lot of action on that is statewide and also here in San Francisco. I believe last year, the year before, Supervisor Safai passed some additional um, legislation around the auction so that we now provide our list when parcels are three years delinquent to the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development. Um, they've really been phenomenal partners in this. We sent them the list, they immediately reviewed it. We had a number of meetings going through the parcels. The reality in San Francisco is that the, the parcels on our list are um, 
largely unbuildable. They're really sliver lots, underwater lots, timeshares. Um, there, there aren't really parcels of value that for construction, but I know our partners at MoCD have been looking very closely to make sure that we don't miss anything um, and we act as early as possible. And there are some additional ways that um, nonprofits and the city can acquire properties that are delinquent a bit earlier before auction. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, and with that, let's go to public comment on this item. Yes, members of the public have joined us today who wish to speak on this item number five and wish to address this committee. Now is your opportunity. Madam Chair, we have no speakers. Thank you. Seeing no more public comments, public comment is now closed. And with that, and we'd like to first remove the, I would like to, doesn't sound like there's any other items that we intend to remove from the list. So I'm going to make that in one swoop of uh, the motion to remove 3548 um, to 3550 20th Street from the list and to move the amended list to full board with recommendation. And with that, a roll call, please. And on that motion. Okay. To remove 3548 to 3550 20th Street from the parcel list and to forward the resolution with that new parcel list to the full board with the positive recommendation. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Member Melgar. Melgar, aye. Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. We have three ayes. Thank you. The motion passes. And please uh, call the next item. Item number six is an ordinance amending the administrative code to extend by five years from May 5th, 2024 through May 5th, 2029, the sunset date of the provisions authorizing the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing to enter into and amend contracts without requiring competitive bidding for services relating to sites and programs for people experiencing homelessness and the Department of Public Works to enter into and amend contracts without adhering to the environment code or to provisions relating to competitive bidding, equal benefits, local business enterprise utilization, and other requirements for construction work and services relating to projects addressing homelessness and affirming planning department's determination under CEQA. Madam Chair. Thank you. I don't have any more questions about this item. And no, I think the proposed amendments was very clear to instead of the blanket uh, waiver of five years for uh, HSH that to then come in compliance of the procurement requirement at the end of the five years blanket waiver, uh, I have proposed the uh, two years of facing in a procurement process uh, for different kind of co different kind of contract different kind of existing contract, those that went, or went through the procurement, those were sole source, as well as the new contract. Um, the amendments was, uh, was on the record, um, that I put it on the record last Wednesday. Um, I am just going to, I don't have any more questions. I think that Supervisor Mendelman was actually very clear since December of where he's been. I have no questions about that, which I appreciate. Uh, I am still where I'm at uh, since last Wednesday about, you know, the, the amendments that I would like to see moving forward. Without it, I would not, um, I, I need to really reconsider my, my thinking around this um, legislation, um, which I will not be able to, uh, colleagues, uh, to say that this could go out of this committee with recommendation today. Uh, I think no matter how it goes, I would like this for it to go out without recommendation, just allow us some you know, conversations uh, at the full board to make sure that colleagues are aware of what, what we're um, voting on. 
um, Supervisor Malgar, you become the swing vote on these issues, which I'm sure putting you in a tough spot, that I appreciate uh, your continuance, that you requested for one week from last week, um, and to just allow you some time since you're a new member of the committee. Supervisor Malgar. Thank you so much, Chair Chan, and I appreciate that. I am a new member of the committee. I'm wrapping my head around all of these issues and have to do a little more due diligence because I'm coming up to speed. Um, and I, uh, Chair, always have appreciated and admired your um, thoughtfulness uh, and demand for accountability from departments uh, and results-oriented approach to things, So, uh, which is why I wanted to be on this committee. Um, I think that since uh, we heard this last week, um, I did request uh, some further information from the department, which I did receive, um, and also had the opportunity to have conversation with other colleagues who are not on this uh, committee um, and folks in the community. So um, I am ready to support the legislation. Um, and uh, that also uh, means that, you know, since we are staying on this committee um, and have a very tough budget year coming up, um, I will uh, also, you know, closely scrutinize what goes on, uh, particularly as it um, pertains to uh, our districts on the west side, Chair Chan, uh, because I do, I am eager to have this department be successful um, in getting folks uh, out of homelessness uh, and into permanent supportive or other housing uh, so that we can uh, get our city uh, back uh, onto a path of um, you know, housing first, of making sure that you know, people are not suffering on the streets uh, when they cannot pay the rent. Uh, so I am uh, also um, you know, grateful for my colleagues and their experience in all of this. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair Mendelman. Uh, I just would like to be on as a co-sponsor. Thank you, and let's, um, I don't, sounds like we're good, we know where we're at. Let's go to uh, public comments on this item. Yes, members of the public have joined us today who wish to speak on this item number six, and that was your opportunity to address this committee. Mr. Phil. You can't stop homelessness if you uh, are, keep being afraid of uh, daring to say what you really feel. You need to say what you feel. Stop being afraid. So because it's an endless situation. Yeah, that's how it goes, guys. So how long? You are responsible. You have to be responsible. Dare say what you say, what you feel. Basically, I mean, you don't like to uh, uh, be ordered to do something. So why are you doing it? It's not good for you. It's... Okay, I'll be back. Thank you much for addressing this committee. And with that, Madam Chair, that completes our queue. Thank you. And with that, seeing no more public comments, public comment is now closed. Thank you. Uh, I just wanted to say this before we move this item. Uh, if I may, colleagues, I'm going to move this item to full board without recommendation. Hope to have your support on that. Um, and, and just wanted to... Uh, articulate the reason why I think um, a few things that it's happening I think I don't know if you all see the 7-eleven post streets uh, public comments that we received or we received a public comments today uh, specifically about 7-eleven um, 
uh, post streets and that um, there's also the most recent concerns uh, with the 935 Kearney in Chinatown as a location. Um, and for me, is not just about a public process uh, with, with some of these um, projects that uh, Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing has been put forward. Um, it is both a reflection on having the waiver and on top of the COVID uh, emergency declaration waiver for all procurement um, and, and seeing how we need to have some accountability and oversight. It's complex and it's diverse in terms of both solutions and problems that we, we tackle. That I think that it's good to facing to put in a, a faces to, to get this to the departments to get to where everybody needs to be, which is a procurement process for the city. And if we have issues with the procurement process itself, let's then tackle it separately. So that's really has been my intent. And, and um, I think there's a lot of issues with this departments and we can definitely problem solve it in many different ways. Uh, this is not an end all be all legislation to do so. Uh, so with that, I would like to move this item to full board without recommendation and a roll call, please. And on that motion, uh, that this ordinance be referred without recommendation to the full board. Vice Chair Mandelman. Mandelman, aye. Member Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. We have three ayes. Thank you, and the motion passes. And with that, do we have any other business before us today? Uh, Madam Chair, that concludes our business. Thank you. The meeting is adjourned.